Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello, everybody. It's Marianne Bailey with the Hip Senior Podcast, where we try to connect businesses and people together with seniors so that everybody kind of has an insight of the life of seniors, whether it's their caregivers or whether it's the seniors themselves. Today, we have Josh Pettit, who takes care of his mother, Betty. And I first noticed them on TikTok. And I was intrigued because the first video I ever saw was Betty talking to herself in a mirror as if she had a friend that she didn't quite know, but she knew. So Josh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you here. So Josh, tell us a little bit about your family and your family dynamic. So uh, my mom was always a stay-at-home mom and dad was just a great dad, worked hard and and they were always there for us as kids. And uh, Betty was the constant caretaker, you know, cooking, cleaning, taking us wherever we needed to go, um, that sort of stuff. So it kind of was, I was very fortunate to kind of grow up in the ideal family um, uh, dynamic. It's so funny because I know there's times when you're like, oh, did you cook breakfast or something like that to her or whatever? She's like, darn right I did. I did everything. She still thinks she works and did everything. You know, she really thinks she does everything. But of course, now my dad has taken on that that role of cooking and cleaning and doing most of the care of her. What did your dad do for a living? He was a civil engineer. Okay. He's really, really, really good with her, it seems like. He is. He is. And ironically, like, he never really, aside from Boy Scout camp and things like that, he never cooked. Um, it wasn't until she kind of, um, she she kind of got sick and had like a hip surgery and and she had a couple of bouts with cancer. And it wasn't until those came along that he was kind of, they were retired and living in kind of a, an RV in Florida part-time. And, and it wasn't until that happened that he had to step up and do things like, well, I can make spaghetti. And, you know, he slowly has kind of taught himself to, to cook and, and do those sorts of things. It seems like she eats a really good breakfast. <laughs> he, he makes a multi-course breakfast. They start with cereal and it takes hours. Sometimes I, I don't have time to hang for the breakfast, but they start with cereal and then there's bacon and eggs and, and, you know, donuts or bagels or toast or something like that. So it seems like they go forever with breakfast, but they eat I'm going to come live with you guys <laughs> just for the breakfast. Right. And he's gotten into cast iron cooking. So there's a whole science, like he, he likes cooking his bacon and the grease seasons it and then the eggs and he does it all in cast iron. Well, who wouldn't want to cook their eggs in the bait in the bacon grease, right? right? Of course. I'm not a big egg fan, but if I'm going to do it, it's going to be in bacon grease. Right. right. When did she start? Did you guys notice that she was losing it? Like she's full blown Alzheimer's now, right? Right. She's she's what they consider end stage Alzheimer's. Um, probably about nine or ten years ago, we definitely noticed some signs. At the time, we didn't realize they were those signs. We kind of thought it was normal senior stuff, but you know, not able to remember her phone number or getting confused with things around the house, but they were new. She would come to visit me for a few months at a time. And, you know, I had new technology in the house and, you know, things like messing up the TV remote and alarm systems and telephones and stuff like that. were all kind of beginning to get a little bit of a puzzle. And then she kind of became 
incapable of like checking out at a store by herself. But again, everything had the pin pad thing, which wasn't what she was used to. And so she kind of had, had the ability to not learn those new tricks. And at the time we kind of chalked it off to um, a senior, uh, you know, just normal aging process. But uh, in that period of time, she had a hip replaced. She had part of her colon removed. She had a hernia as a result of one of those surgeries. And then she was diagnosed with lung cancer. They did a lung cancer surgery and removed a third of her lung. And then in following up from the lung cancer, they discovered a secondary cancer in the kidney and removed part of the kidney. So in the period of like two or three years, she had all those surgeries. And that really seemed to accelerate um, the memory issues. I think the anesthesia helps to contribute to make that Alzheimer process go faster. So ask about that. Yeah. So by the time we got it, we, we, by the time we, we dealt with all the cancer and stuff. And by the time maybe it was like six or seven years ago when we went finally to a neurologist and, you know, cause we were just dealing with the other problems and it wasn't, you know, on the advice of the physician, it was focus on the focus on the cancer stuff. By the time we went to the neurologist, she was already considered moderate to severe. I can't imagine from a family level, like what that must've done to you, how, did you, did, at any point in time, did you ever feel like, oh gosh, I wish we had caught this earlier. I wish we had paid attention to this or has it just been, you know, we were doing what we had to do to, to get her to live beyond all of that. Right. It we'll just, just kind of felt like we were doing what we had to do. The, the lung cancer um, diagnosis, we, you know, obviously was severe. Um, they were able to treat it surgically. They were on the bubble about chemo and radiation. And that's the point at what time they moved in full-time with me, just so we could have consistent doctors. And we weren't sure what we were going to be dealing with, with that, but uh, we chose not to do the chemo and radiation. You know, she really looked to us to help her decide. Um, She didn't know how to decide that. And the doctor was truly on the bubble where the doctor said, if it was me, I'm not sure which way I would go because it was unclear whether it would make a difference. And as it turns out, we did the right decision because she's actually been cancer free and she didn't have to go through chemo and radiation. All the cancers were just treated surgically, which, you know, were a lot easier on her overall than having to deal with chemo or radiation and things like that. But yeah, it was just kind of one thing after another. um, And all that happened relatively quickly. So we were kind of still in the follow-up phase of the lung cancer before there was the kidney cancer. And after those surgeries, she had a couple of, she had like two or three bouts of hospitalization with sepsis as well, which normally kills you. So she was really resilient, but we, each thing was like a goal of getting through the surgeries, getting through the other hospitalizations. And um, so the memory issue really was kind of kind of secondary or, or hard to tell if it was a result of surgery or being sick or the other things that were going on for her. How hard was it when they moved in with you? How much, how big of an adjustment? You said they had lived, you know, here and there with you as far as they would do, um, it started where they would do a month or two and then they were, they were doing six months with me and six months in Florida. So it wasn't, it wasn't that big of an adjustment to have them there the full time. Cause I was already used to them being for several years. They'd come for six months. Um, they would come in the summer months um, and then go back to Florida for the winter. See, I live in Ohio. My parents won't touch Ohio with a 10 foot pole these days. According to my mom, it's cold all year long. And I'm like, right. you know what? It really isn't. I mean, it's 71 today and we're in the beginning of March. So right. it's not you, bad. You just never know. We had, you know, 70 degree days in February. So yeah. Yeah, we're, we're originally from the Buffalo area, but then I moved to, to Charlotte, North Carolina area. So that's kind of a good in the middle. So it, it definitely was a, a more moderate summer than Florida, not quite as hot. 
and I don't know all their friends. It just seems like there's a whole um, there's a whole society of people that go to Florida for the winter and then go back to where they go in the summer. All their friends were on that cycle of of going back home or whatever. So they were they were happy to do six months there in the winter months and six months up here with with us. How do you feel when your mom is just? I mean, obviously she's got good days and bad days, and we've right. seen some really happy sides to her where, you know, she has her new, her doggy and, and, and baby and stuff like that, where, where she has, like I said, she has good days and she has bad days. Tell us yeah. a little bit more about what the family dynamic is when, when she's out of sorts and how you help her get through that. And I probably should do a better job just to help educate people. I'm showing more bad days. I've showed a, well, a couple of that's where a she double-edged has- sword. Right. Yeah. It's hard. You don't um, want to, you know, that that's kind of a private thing for her, right? you right. know? And so it's a tough sort of, of where that fine line is. Right. Yeah. yeah. But we had, we just had a, a stretch of about three bad days where she just was, she was grumpy, you know, from breakfast on every time you touch her, you're hurting her. She's sad. She cries. She wants to go home. You know, nothing can kind of distract her. And we had about three days of that in a row. It was actually one of the days was, was my dad's birthday. And I was desperately trying to make like a fun birthday video. And it wasn't until like afternoon or evening that she finally was kind of like happy with the, you know, oh, it's his birthday. You know, before then she really wouldn't engage. She was crying. She was sad. And, you know, um, I wanted to kind of do a video to wish him a happy birthday. And and we were, I was having a hard time getting it done. But How I'm does that sure. make him feel? How does, does he talk to you at all about it? I mean, he's got that, I'm sure he's. Yeah, I mean, he, he definitely, he understands that it's not her, it's the disease. So he doesn't, he doesn't let those things bother him, thankfully. You know, he, he really understands what it is. I think it took some adjustment for us to understand that, that it's really, you know, it's kind of a different person now. It's, it's almost like dealing with a child in a lot of ways. You know, he'll say, you know, he spends his days, it feels like he's spending days with a five-year, five-year-old because she'll be like, Bob. Bob, 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 you know, she wants to go home. She'll just keep calling his name. Where does she think home is? You know, I don't get a good answer from her of that. Cause then, you know, you, you, you can try to step into their reality and be like, all right, when is it? Or we'll go tomorrow or whatever. But I've tried all those tricks and just, you know, some work for moments, but when it's all day long, um, you know, people will comment and say, get into their reality and say, you'll go tomorrow or whatever. And, you know, it works for, it works for two minutes and then you're back to, you know, I want to go home. So, we, we try everything, including doing what you're not supposed to do. Disagree with them. Say you are home. You know, and she'll say, yeah, I know, but we better get going. You know? So it's like, it doesn't, the logic, there's no logic there to be able to make sense of it. I've seen ones in the past where she would get mad at Bob that, you know, he was being selfish because he wanted to stay and finish watching TV or whatever right. it was. And she wanted right. to go home and let you go to bed. Right. You know? Yeah. She starts in the, especially she starts about wanting to go home after breakfast time, breakfast will occupy. Maybe that's why he takes so long to make breakfast because it occupies a good chunk of the day where she's fairly happy. And it is funny. She'll like steal things off his plate when he's cooking. She'll steal the bacon. She'll steal his donuts, even though she might have it in front of her. So it's really, it's really kind of humorous. He has to watch and not leave anything near within arm's reach because she'll take it on him. But yeah, then, you know, by, by afternoon or evening, she starts to feel like Whoever's in that house, it's, they got to go to bed. They got to go to work where these people want it. Like we're being rude. These people want us to get out of here. And then she gets upset because he, you know, he's not, he's happy. By that point of the evening, he's tired and wants to sit and watch, watch TV and, and relax a little bit. And 
And she's usually not about that. It always breaks my heart when she doesn't recognize like her picture, like in his wallet, right? And stuff like that. And I just, and your dad is so gentle with her and so patient and yeah. so kind. And it just makes me like hope, like if I ever get there someday, like I hope that I meet like Mr. Wright in my future and um, someone that will be that kind and, and patient with me because I don't think I've ever seen anybody right. so patient and so kind with him. Right. Does he ever get a break? Like, I mean, obviously, you know, do you guys tag team? Like I've seen that you go on vacations a couple of times and stuff like that. Does he get a chance to just like, you know, go play golf or, or, or do something that, you know, he enjoys or is he on with her all the time just because he feels like he needs to be? So he was resistant to help at first, but starting at the beginning of last year, um, I brought in a caregiver twice a week. Okay. Said, Let's just start twice a week. W- one task that we had trouble with was she was very resistant to having a bath or a shower. And that was becoming like a, like a big ordeal. Oh, and ironically, it's not for a stranger. It's not like they have no trouble doing it. So go figure. But for him, it was combative the whole time. But that that was that started off two times a week, four hours a day. And that would, you know, he and I could go out, he'd go play golf or whatever. He won't leave her overnight or anything, but um, it, it does give him the opportunity to go. Sometimes he'll just go to the library and read or play on his computer. He goes shopping. He, you know, runs errands or if I'm available, we'll we'll do things together. We've, we've increased that to three days a week. And then starting next week, we're doing four days a week. So good for you guys. And again, he's kind of been a little bit resistant of that all the way along. But he kind of sees the merit in the fact that it's a good break for him. Otherwise, he's getting that 24-7, the Bob, Bob, Bob situation. Yeah, it's got to be wearing on him. I just can't imagine him not being exhausted. Right. Yeah, definitely. It tires me out just witnessing it. So I don't have the patience he does. And I'm, I'm grateful that he gets a break. And he sees the merit in it now that, you know, we could we could definitely use more help. And the lady that we the lady that we found through a friend of a referral in a small agency, you know, my mom likes her, she comes and she kind of comes in with a fresh face and is like ready to just, you know, dote on her and pay attention to her. And by that afternoon, you know, he's kind of, he's kind of tired of that, or he's, you know, he's cooked and then breakfast and dealt with it for most of the day. So by the time two o'clock comes, which is typically when she comes, um, you know, he's, he's ready for that break. So does Betty see her like as a, just a friend coming to visit? Yeah, it's, it, 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 like you just kind of make it out that way and don't really explain it. She'll say, I'm coming back to see you tomorrow or whatever. So, you know, she comes in and just dotes on her right away. And and my mom will go with it with a stranger and kind of put on the happy face and, you know, hug her and, you know, be happy to see her and all that sort of stuff. So I love when uh, she goes and gets her nails done and stuff like that. So that's actually, um, that's actually with a purpose. So we had such a problem and I think some, there's an OCD mm-hmm. element that comes with Alzheimer's sometimes. So she was picking her arms and legs to the point of bleeding terribly. And we visited neurologists and they tried different medications and medicines and creams and things, but she was, we were going through band-aids in bulk and we couldn't get her to stop picking. And then a friend of mine got this nail treatment called SNS, which is like a dip nail treatment. And it kind of makes your nails dull. So the friend that had it said that she had a hard time even picking a pimple herself. So we went and we tried it. We went to the nail salon. We said, cut them short, SNS nail treatment. She thinks she's being pampered. And that's something, ironically, she never did her whole life. You know, she never really painted her nails or never went to a 
a salon, but we found a great place and the lady fusses on her and we'll just pick the color for her and, you know, do different things. And it really helped with the picking. So unless they get long or, or sometimes she can pick at the nails and make us make a spot where it's gone, um, then she can pick a little bit. But if we do that every two or three weeks, the picking is almost a non-issue. So that was hmm. like an amazing discovery. And we even went back to the neurologist who was like equally surprised. Right. And he told us now he's actually helped three different patients, <laughs> you know, that we actually helped him think outside the box because here he was doing different prescriptions for OCD and different things like that. And the real simple thing was make the nails not dull or, you know, he had another patient that he had, it was a male patient that he had wear gloves and, you know, totally like helped the situation. So that um, is amazing, actually, that yeah. more people need to know that. Right, right. And I did a video about that and that because everybody always comments on her nails and it's it's twofold. She does get pampered and whatever, but um, but it's really I, I think it's the thickness with the yes. with the nail stuff yeah, on the, the dip stuff makes it makes them thicker and they're by their like dull. I would go crazy if I couldn't pick though. Right. If we go too long, she can, she can pick them up because it almost comes off like little rubber, you know, it's almost like plastic or rubber. So eventually if we go too long, she can get a spot started on the nails or pick one off, you know, like all of a sudden we'll be missing a nail type of thing or miss, you know, missing the coating of the nail. So that's where two or three, every two or three weeks keeps them short and fresh. But every once in a while, something will happen or we go. And obviously we went through COVID where we couldn't get them done for a long time. And, and that was, that was a problem, but. That is really, really interesting. So we talked about your dad getting a break. And I know, like I said, I know you've been on some vacations recently, which is amazing that you have the chance to do that. You work from home, right? Mostly. Yeah. We usually work from home. How do you set yourself aside? Like, how do you put yourself into the position of, not worrying about what's going on like downstairs. Like if you hear Betty upset or something, how do you stay focused? Yeah, you know, do you go down and, and help your dad out or do you just, you know, hey, I'm working, I've got to deal with this? Usually I'll go down and help him out. I can hear it happening and and um sometimes it's almost like the parent and the kid like they can be bickering about something. And if I go down and, you know, what's the problem down here? You know, she's like, nothing, you know, like it's kind of, I'll be but good. It, exactly. That's exactly. Um, but uh, it's, it's a little bit short lived. It's more short lived than it was. Sometimes that would work for a while. Now it seems like it works for, you know, maybe 20 minutes and then they're kind of back at it. Or sometimes I could just yell down the stairs, you know, what's the problem down there? And, you know, he'll be like, Oh, now you're getting us in trouble. You know, or you, whatever and the overlord has hurt us right so she doesn't want to she definitely doesn't ever want to upset me so um that guy upstairs right the guy yeah don't upset josh yeah so that i'll definitely um you know go go help if i can i work probably you know 80 percent at home i have a local client here so i have an office um there's a, a medical office i work at that i happen to be at today but my schedule is really flexible thankfully because it's all web stuff and computer stuff. So for the most, most part, I can, I can be flexible when I need to and help, you know, help with appointments or be there when he needs to go to an appointment type of thing. But then sometimes it doesn't work out and I'm thankful we have the the caregiver. Um, sometimes our schedules conflict or I've got things that I have to do, you know, then we try to utilize the caregiver or, if, or if I'm out of town, sometimes I travel for, for work or, or, you know, travel for leisure, obviously. And I like to, I was getting the caregiver extra when I was, going to be on vacation or whatever we were adding days to that just to give my dad a break have you ever sat down and just had a heart-to-heart conversation with your dad like does he ever just break down and just like 
Josh. I just can't. Uh, he he hasn't been to the point that he can't. He's he's been upset that you know he feels bad that this is what this is, and and he never you know never anticipated this was what their retirement would be like. He's grateful. He kind of retired early, and they did full time RVing for a while. They did a lot of stuff, so he's glad that they got to do everything they did when she could still really enjoy it. But uh, I think in his wildest imagination, he just never thought, you know, this would be what it, what it is. And we have, you know, we have bad days where we're dealing with, you know, bathroom accidents and, you know, sometimes, you know, the, thankfully the bad ones seem to happen when we're both there. So it becomes an all hands on deck type of situation. And, and, you know, he's, he's grateful that he's got the support, um, you know, that we're able to, to tag team it because, you know, I feel bad for him. It's, it's a lot of physical work too, of getting her dressed and changed. And, you know, he's 85 years old. He had it in the middle of my mother having all those surgeries. He had a stroke in the middle of that as well. Um, it didn't affect his mobility. It affected his balance. And he was able to kind of relearn. You can relearn your balance. Right. Um, but it, thankfully it didn't really affect his mobility, but he does remain on blood thinners and stuff. So it's always kind of a possibility you know, of having another stroke. So I worry sometimes, you know, he's exerting himself and, you know, he's trying to get her dressed and lifting her up and, and that type of stuff. So it's, it's definitely um, physically challenging. Uh, thankfully we've been a long, a long time out from that. So, you know, there, I don't think the, the high risk is there, uh, but it scared me early on that, you know, I had them both out of commission for a short while, like he couldn't drive for six months and he was still doing a lot of the the caregiving. So, but she was, she was not as much effort at that time. It was more at that time. You just needed to watch her and, and whatever, but um, definitely was a challenging time. I know often caregivers, especially when it's family members feel that they can't take breaks, that they can't go anywhere, that they can't afford to bring in home health care. You know, what would you say to them? What, what are like the resources they should be looking for and how do they overcome that guilt of just taking an afternoon off or going on a weekend trip or something? Right. Burnout's a real thing. And your, your cup, your cup definitely needs to not be empty if you're going to be pouring into somebody else. So uh, that is, that is definitely something you have to take time for yourself or, you know, you're, you're just headed down a dark road where, you're not going to be able to help anybody once you reach that point. I know it's it's definitely difficult for some people. Uh, you know, we've been we've been around, and there's no there's no part of Medicare that helps pay for anything. She's on palliative care, but that's that doesn't really get you anything other than a visit every month or so. If we were to get to hospice, we could have help with bathing and things like that. Um, nothing, none of that includes any kind of respite care where you can actually leave the house. So sadly, we had to do that privately and fortunate that, you know, I have a good job and can generate money to help their care. Brother, I have a, I have two brothers. I have one that lives local, okay. and one that doesn't. And my brother local is able to help a little bit financially. So when the concern came up of hiring outside help, my dad was really concerned that he can't afford it. And we were just like, let's just, let's just do it and we'll figure out a way. And then, you know, obviously I, I had no idea or no intention going into social media that there could actually be money from, you know, a little bit of money from TikTok, or a little bit of money from Facebook. But I put that, we put that right in a fund that goes towards the caregiver or something she needs. So that's been a little bit of a blessing to, um, to be able to generate a little bit of money from that as well. What was the first gift you ever received that somebody mailed that you were like, holy daylight, somebody sent a gift. I think somebody sent like a goodie box that was like a blanket or a shawl and maybe some cookies. And it was long before the cookie 
the denial of cookies that started the gift, but somebody right. said, you know, somebody did send send something randomly. So I think we had, and then somebody sent a box of like a case of Girl Scout cookies again before the cookie thing. You know, there were a couple of TikTok fans that just were big fans that were like, "Hey, I want to send something to her." Um, and then of course we we had the famous TikTok where we denied her a cookie at breakfast, and that is what started the onslaught of people sending. How dare cookies. you? I know it turned into people sending cookies and it turned into people sending, sending all sorts of things. So um, that's slowed down a little bit now, just because, you know, we really have all that we need and, and uh, you know, people, people still send cards and letters and things like that. So we're grateful for that, but that, that was a nice distraction and, and kind of culminated around Christmas time. Like we were getting gifts by the car loads. Um, it was, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> What'd you do with all of them? So, you know, a lot of things we used or ate or froze cookies or whatever. And and um, I am working with the Alzheimer's Association on some excess things. You know, we've got we've got excess slippers and excess blankets, more than we could possibly use, things like that, that we're going to be getting into the hands of of some of the local homes and things. Um, oh, nice. My meeting was kind of set up before I got sick. So I, I need to resume that connection um, now that I'm I'm done being sick, but. And so, which does she ever have like friends? I mean, you know, she moved to you when she came to the, you know, she came to the area when she was a little bit older and whatever. Did she have a chance to like develop any friendships outside the house before all this happened in your area? Does she have friends that come visit? Uh, my parents have a good number of friends and acquaintances through church because they did attend. Um, I work part time at a church and, and they did attend that church. Um, so some of those people, obviously that slowed down with COVID and they, they worship mostly online now just cause it's easier than leaving the house. But occasionally we go to an event or we'll have a dinner or something. They enjoy seeing those people and those people, you know, have brought gifts and meals and things like that to us at various points in time when surgeries and things happen. So grateful for those, those friendships. Um, you know, they'll often think that like, well, there's, there's, those are Josh's friends. So they don't have too many friends that are, are outside of my circle. Um, I can't think of any, and we've got neighbors and things. We moved uh, four or five years ago to a, a community that's not necessarily a, a, a senior community, but it's it's definitely um, seems to the demographic seems to be more senior, younger retirees, and so the neighbors on each side of us are just great about bringing food. And if I'm gone, you know, asking them, do you need something from the grocery store, or you know, picking up things for them. So that that's great that we have that support network. That is. Again, so many people don't have that type of um, support around them. And I can just see this being even so much harder than it needs to be. Maybe maybe they haven't reached out to like the Alzheimer's Association. I would imagine, do you know if there's like support groups that help through the Alzheimer's Association for people that are more rural or don't have that in their area? Like, has this become a thing where they're like, okay, we can be nationwide and help people? you know? Cause I know they're very localized usually like yeah. Dayton. I'm not really sure. I, I'm not really sure myself. I know they have a hotline that's 24 seven, the Alzheimer's association and, and they can get resources to, you know, for any, anybody that needs. So I would, I would assume there's gotta be something that fills that role, but I'm not really familiar myself. So I'm guessing if there's something that you're struggling with, even if it's just understanding something or figuring out how to do something to reach out to the Alzheimer's association and ask questions and ask for, you know, referrals and, and recommendations for their area. There's not one. Yes. Yes. Right. I didn't go that route myself because I, you know, I was able to, to kind of find the support I needed, but then 
in fame of Betty and stuff, I did end up having some conversations with the Alzheimer's Association, learning more about them and, and trying to partner more to help bring awareness and such. And so that, that was one thing they did tell me is that, you know, there's a hotline that, you know, let people know if people have questions or whatever that they can call and, and get those resources. What wakes you up in the morning, Josh? What, get, what gets you up? What, what keeps you motivated through all this? It's hard. It, yeah, it is hard. Um, and some days feel like Groundhog Day because, you know, it's the same every day. But, I, I, you know, I know our time is limited and, and the biggest understanding or the most hard, the hard, most difficult thing to understand with this disease. And I remember the neurologist kind of, we would go and be like, well, she's not any better. She's not remembering things better. You know, we did, because we have medicines and things. And he had to kind of just say, you know, you need to understand this doesn't, this does not ever get any better. It's always going to get worse, you know? So, so kind of once you come to terms with that, it's always going to be harder than the day before, you know, that does make it hard to get out of bed, but it, you know, there's new things I'm noticing just in the last week, that um, she's she's struggling a little bit to string a sentence together or the sentence doesn't quite make sense. And she'd always been very, you know, she's been good verbal, but sometimes now like, you know, the you see her struggling for the words and, and maybe it doesn't make sense at the end. And you just say, oh yeah, you know, yes or no, or you kind of, you know, just acknowledge what she said. So, I mean, these are things that sadly every day you have to wake up and understand that it's going to be a little bit worse than the, than the day before. Oh, well, that made me very sad. <laughs> no, because, you know, other things, other diseases, you you know, you 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 can work towards being stronger the next day or getting better. And it's just, it's, it's just so sad that, that it's really not, um, you know, until they, until they truly find a cure, I know they have medicines and things that can slow it down. And that's what we started, you know, early on, we took these medicines and I think we, we foolishly understood that or misunderstood that, you know, you're going to a doctor, they're treating you, you're going to, you're going to see some improvement or at least stopping of the symptoms, you know, and the neurologist said, you know, I'm just here to slow it down. And that's what these medicines do. And you don't really know, unless you were to totally stop, you don't really know how well the medicines are slowing things down because you don't really know what you don't know at that point. So you're, you're taking medicines that are slowing the deterioration down and, um, you know, in your mind, you're still, you're still seeing deterioration. So you're like, the medicine's not working. It's, you know, something's not working. And it's hard to come to terms with, with this disease that it's just, you know, sadly, you know, you're going to start, you know, you start losing the ability to assist yourself on the toilet. You start losing the verbal stuff, you know, you mood changes, things like that. So is the thought, toilet thing, is that a physical thing or is that a mental thing? The, the toilet thing, I, a little bit of both. She's lost a lot of physical mobility, but like now she doesn't even, she doesn't even ask. She can go the whole day and, and wear a depend and not really ask. So, um, but there was a period of time that like, the disease worked against you where she was asking every five minutes or, you know, she was going every five minutes and we were like, you were just in there, but then she would forget she was just in there. So you kind of, we kind of came full, full circle to that. But yeah, I think it's, it's sadly just part of, part of the disease, your body's regressing back um, almost like a child, you know, you're losing a child, you're, you're, you're having milestones where you're going in the positive direction and we're learning to do things and we're learning more control of things and, Sadly, with Alzheimer's, we're going the opposite way. I think aging at any time, you just kind of go the opposite way. Tipa right. and I were talking about that one time, but the point of having like the closest connection to 
being a child and being an adult is, you know, being at that senior stage and stuff. I just can't imagine. Like, I know when she's in the bathroom and she's looking in the mirror, she doesn't recognize herself. She doesn't. No, every time she'll, she'll kind of be waving at that friend in the mirror, you know, when she's washing her hands or whatever, that, you know, that's her friend. And and uh, somebody even sent, it was kind of funny, they sent a full-length mirror right before Christmas. And I waited till Christmas day because my brother was over it was a big box to open and we'd already had so many things so I'm like I just can't deal with opening this not even sure who sent it but we opened it up after Christmas dinner and brought it in and she had a conversation you know she was worried did did the person in the mirror did they have a a warm place to stay tonight and and things like that so um, it, it does invoke and looking back it's really funny before I captured the mirror thing originally we were at a restaurant and it was kind of when she could still go into the restroom by herself. And we sent her in the ladies room and my father and I went in the men's room and we came out, we were waiting for her and it was taking a long time and we could hear talking, you know, and the, the longer we stood outside the ladies room, you know, we could hear her talking and nobody else ever came out. And I think at some point I peeked in and, you know, nobody was in there and I couldn't figure out what she was doing in there. Well, then on another visit, after the whole mirror thing happened, we went back to that restaurant and I realized in the men's room behind the door was a full length mirror on your way out of the bathroom. And so I think looking back, I think she was having this conversation with a friend in the mirror, which is why she was taking so long in the bathroom. But uh-huh. uh, you know, we had never seen it in person before. So it wasn't until later that I'm like, we heard talking. I don't think anybody was in there. She was in there forever. I think she was having a conversation with her friend. Imagine um, if somebody else had gone in there, they would have been like, right. what are you doing? Yeah. And I could hear her because she was near the door. That's what, that was the weird thing. It's like, she's near the door, but why is she talking and who is she talking to and why is she not coming out? So it makes sense now that there was a full length mirror behind that door. When you guys are out with her, do, do people ever get impatient with you or are they pretty good about respecting people, boundaries and not asking a bunch of questions or yeah, people are usually respectful. Um, even, you know, when she, before she got very sick, like a few years ago, we would take, um, take cruises and go on vacations and we did Disney world and stuff like that. And, um, you know, if she was near somebody or near a stranger. She, she was more outgoing then and she would start asking them questions, but then the questions would repeat, you know, like, where are you from? You know, like, where are you from? That type of stuff. And people would quickly understand or get it. Uh, you know, and they would, they would kind of give us, I would feel anxious that, oh my God, you know, she's, she's bugging people or talking to people and driving nuts with repeat questions, but people generally would pick up on it real quick that there was something wrong and just kind of humor her and, and talk and kind of look at us that, you know, it was all good. So that was always nice that people, people understand and, and, you know, have the grace. And I remember a lady one time on a cruise ship that she kept asking questions to, you know, the lady said there, but by the grace of God, go I, you know, it could be me. So she was, she was grateful to, you know, had no trouble having those conversations. This conversation today has been really humbling because I'm grateful that my parents aren't there. My parents are 87 and 85. Oh, wow. Um, and they live in Florida and I live in Ohio. So it would be a much con- strict, harder conversation to have between us if if they were at that point as well so i'm grateful that that they don't and i am heartwarmed and heartbroken at the same time for people that have to um go through this with their loved ones right um i don't know you know you don't know how strong you are until you have to be that strong right 
And I'm guessing that that's where you're at and your dad's at every single day. And even Betty. Yeah. It takes a strong person to not just sit down and be like, you know what? On on those days where she was lucid and, and whatever being a like, you know, I don't know if they ever really realized like on the bad days that they had bad days, like if that's ever really happening to them. And maybe that's a gift. Right. You know, maybe it is a gift that they don't remember. She's always been good at denial. So she's never, she covers well, even, you know, the look back to when it was easier to, for her to cover, she was always a very good, good at covering, but she never really would acknowledge that she had any kind of trouble, but you could tell that she knew she did, you know, and, and, and she covered well with the, you didn't tell me that I didn't, you know, nobody told me that, or that's different. You know, like she would, she would play it off and still, still does that to a little bit of a degree, you know, and nobody told me that, or I didn't know that, you know, nobody told me, I think she knows, I think she knows. And I think that's why, you know, we have little bouts of depression where she randomly will cry and things like that. And, you know, you never get an answer as to what's wrong, but I think, I think she knows and it's gotta be hard. Sometimes we don't have words for, for those things. And when you ask, it's just, maybe she just needs to get that frustration out and she doesn't have an answer as to why, what's anything that's wrong. I know there's been times, um, especially when I was going through my divorce, it was like, I would just be like, I would go to the cemetery and I would just sit there and cry. And I found that the cemetery is the best place to go and release frustration and cry because nobody ever asks you why you're crying in a cemetery. True. <laughs> so that was kind of my good. And we have here in Ohio, we have some, some really nice cemeteries and I would just go and take a walk or take my dog or just sit in my car and cry. Nobody ever cared. They're like, Oh, she's in a cemetery. She's crying. That's perfectly normal. Right. True. So, but, but it was just kind of a way of like, just getting that, you know, that emotion out and that frustration, which I'm sure she has, like I said, just even talking to herself in the mirror, you know, there's, there's gotta be stuff pent up that she doesn't even know about that needs to come out. Cause if not, it would be much worse for you guys if it didn't, I think. Well, Josh, thank you so much for spending time with me today. Any last words, what, what you want to tell people that you want to get the word out about or that you want to encourage people with? I think the biggest advice is, you know, however you need to do it is to get, get a little bit of help, give yourself a little bit of respite. That's, that's very important. And I know some, some states have better resources. Some insurances have better resources. You know, we were in a position where it has to be all private care, but even if you can get you know, friends. Before we had a private caregiver, I had I had a few friends that would sometimes stay, you know, one evening a week so we could go golfing or whatever. Um, I even had a, a young lady who kind of did some computer work with me and she would sit there, uh, you know, when my mother was, before we needed help going to the bathroom and stuff, you just really needed a babysitter. And this young girl would come over and she would do work on the laptop on the couch and they'd watch TV together and she would play it off that you know, she was there just using my internet, hanging out. Yeah, hanging out. I'm using your internet and, you know, and so that was kind of all we needed in those stages. Um, I think respite care is probably important for all caregivers. I would imagine that a lot of times people bring somebody in like that thinking like, oh, I'm going to get one off day off a week or whatever. And maybe, maybe that visit doesn't go very well. Maybe, you know, the, their, your loved one doesn't know that person and they're just like, or doesn't remember that they know that person and the visit doesn't go as well. And then they get feel guilty that it didn't go as well. And they're not just feeling guilty about the caregiver that came in to help, but for their loved one, they're thinking like they were frustrated. They were, you know, whatever, 
you can't let that affect the fact that you need a day off here and there. Like, okay, it didn't go as great as I would like it. As long as your loved one is, uh, you know, not in danger and they're not being abused and right. stuff like that. Hey, that's going to happen. But you know what? It's more of a risk for you not to take a break. Set five minutes ago, we found it best to not mention it until the person literally had showed up, you know, Hey, so-and-so is here to see you. Cause I think if, when we would talk about it ahead, um, that would become the, well, I don't need a babysitter and I don't, they don't need to spend time here and that sort of thing. So we found, you know, take advantage of the downsides of Alzheimer's is the memory, but take advantage of it um, when it comes to the things you need to do like respite care and, and uh, you know, yeah. you need to pose yourself and have, have round two and come out of a separate, a separate way. Um, if you've gotten frustrated or lost your, your temper, because that's, that's happened with both my dad and I, thankfully, typically not at the same time. So when one of us is frustrated, the other one's not, and we're able to kind of work through it. But thankfully she doesn't remember the bad, you know, the bad moment. Do you think there's times that, and I know we said we were saying goodbye, but do you think there's times like, do you feel like you're always having to find something new for her to do? Like, does she forget that oh, last week we were playing the silly game and now she's like, I don't want to do that now, whatever, and and doesn't even remember. And you're always having to find something new. We struggle to find like an activity. And I think that's part of why she she, um, uh, will focus on going home and kind of drive my father nuts. You know, he wants, after breakfast, he wants to do his puzzle or whatever, but she doesn't, she won't read. She doesn't do things. Um, lots of people have sent great suggestions of puzzles and and other activities and those work with a lot of people, but my mother just has not engaged with, you know, things you put in front of her to do people, people have suggested, and they're, they're all good suggestions. And I think they work for some people, but people have said, put some, put some towels in front and let her fold them. You know, and I've tried that, but then she just wants, she wants him to do it. <laughs> She's like, here, fold it's like more work for him. So we struggled to, you know, even keeping her focused on like a TV show or something or finding something that kind of distracts her. So I think that's why she gets wound up in those cases is we're just having a hard time engaging her in some way. Um, the caregiver has figured out that like the TV shows and and stuff with like animals, like if you go on Disney and you pull up the, the dog movies and, you know, those types of things, she will pay a little more attention to those than other than a normal tv show but we struggle to find stuff that actually occupies her so i think that's part of the problem and i think that's part of the disease too is you know she kind of loses it it used to be she would read it used to be you know when even before before she kind of totally lost it she she would she called it book face but she had an ipad and she would you know scroll through and click things and like things and you know read things and that occupied her but she doesn't read anymore she doesn't like to do anything we've tried the coloring um the puzzles you know she kind of stopped doing all those things that she used to do uh even the activity blankets a lot of people have sent activity blankets which are great fidget blankets right. yeah. she really she kind of gets bored with it after two seconds and kind of wants it out of the way <laughs> so it's you know different things it's hard to engage but we keep trying trying different things does she ever like try to help like cook does like cleaning corn or anything like that. No, she's, she's content to just sit there and, and watch him, which is funny, but she'll tell you she cooks, you know, she cooks every day and does whatever, but she used to be when we would fold laundry, she would, she would come in when she was a little more mobile and we would, you know, give her socks or something to, you know, I would throw her certain things to, 
to kind of organize and she was interested to come in and try to help, but now she, she kind of has no interest in that as well. But if my dad and I take the laundry, cause we'll usually tag team that together, go to the bedroom and fold, fold stuff on the bed. And that used to be when she would come in and kind of be, at least be interested in it, you know, trying to help. But um, she just kind of lost that ability to be interested in things. Well, hopefully you can find something that's really, you know, that one magic thing that really keeps right. her entertained and, and busy. Right. So, right. Well, ironically, that's why the, all the crazy gifts and stuff that came in December, people said, well, you're too much. And some people would say you're overwhelming her. And it's like, actually, that was like the best distraction because you could be like, hey, look what someone sent you. And it actually, it actually did engage her and gave her something to do. And it gave my father something to do. And, and um, he enjoys, he'll use this as a, as a distraction, but he goes through, you know, the, the social media posts get so many comments. I don't see them all. I try to look through, but there's so many, you can't see them all. And he likes to go through and, and read them and he'll read things to her, you know, stuff like that. So it gives them something to do. And she will be interested in hearing him read those things to her. Did Does she grasp at all anything about where all these comments and stuff are coming from? She always was, we always did silly things, silly posts and not a lot of videos because videos weren't that much of a thing, but we did silly things on, on Facebook, you know, for years. So I think she kind of understands a little bit of that. Okay. Um, I don't think she, she, uh, you know, she'll, she'll wonder like, what did I do to deserve this? You know, because people are sending things and we'll say it's, you know, some of your fans or some of your friends on the internet. And she, wow. You know, so I don't think she totally understands why people are so kind to her. Um, or that you yeah. have a quarter million followers. Right. Right. We've been out places and people will recognize her, which is, is cute and, and say hi. And she's, you know, goes into the happy mode of just, you know, being sweet and kind and, and you she's a good actor. She's a good actor. You're right. She doesn't necessarily know that she does or doesn't know this person. So she'll fake her way through it, but um, they could be just a fan off the, off the internet, but. Uh, hey, fake it till you make it sometimes. Right. I get that. Right. I'll so be some like- of that's a nice distraction, the car, the cards, um, you know, my father will read, they'll read and go through all the cards together. There's a, there's a real sweet, there's an elementary school in Albany that's like adopted her and they watch the videos and they've sent two or three packages where they've all made like pictures and the teachers like had to write what the kids were really trying to mean when they wrote the, you know, things about her puppy and whatever. And they put together books and they've sent one for Thanksgiving and Christmas and they sent one just the other day. And that gives them something that they'll go through that together and, and, uh, you know, read, read the little book and look at all the pictures. And, you know, she understands that it's kids pictures or kids drawings and, and gets a kick out of that. So that might be a good resource for them, for all those cards that you received for them to upcycle those cards and, and make those cards for uh, right. Betty and other, and maybe through the Alzheimer's association, make cards for other people and stuff. Right. Right. Cause it does, it is a nice distraction. Yeah. All right, Josh, thank you so much again for, for, for having me today. And um, I'm just glad that I reached out and I'm glad that you responded yeah. and we're willing to answer some questions and, and just spend some time with me talking about Betty. Cause she's just, she's an amazing, beautiful woman. And, um, and thank you for sharing she you is. Know, thank some you. of her life with us. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. Everybody, thank you for tuning into this episode of The Hip Senior, where we had the pleasure of speaking with Josh Pettit about his experiences caring for his mother with Alzheimer's. We hope that you found the conversation informative and insightful, and that it provided you with a deeper understanding of the challenges faced by families affected by dementia and Alzheimer's. Remember that if you or a loved one are dealing with these conditions, 
there are resources available to help you navigate this journey. We encourage you to reach out to experts like Teepa Snow at teepasnow.com. That's T-E-E-P-A-S-N-O-W dot com. And to the Alzheimer's Association at ALZ.org for more information, support, and guidance. Thank you again for listening to The Hip Senior, and we look forward to bringing you more informative and engaging discussions in the future.